2: We are back to another edition of West of the Rockies. I'm Frank. Thank you guys for sticking around. I know it's late. Well, a little earlier than usual, but we're going to make it worth your while. Genevieve, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing quite all right. How are you doing tonight?
2: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm excited for the people, uh, listening live. We are actually on now an hour earlier. So it's 8 PM Pacific time. Really exciting. We, we
0: we debated it for a while, but we, we truly hope it's an advantage to most people listening (laughs) because not everyone is on the West Coast.
2: Case in point, our guest tonight, I believe he is uh, joining us all the way from the, from the East Coast. I'm not going to say too much more because I really want to get into tonight's topic. I'm going to let Genevieve do the introductions, and we're going to get our guests on the line.
0: Well, as you already mentioned, we'll be talking to um, Robert Murch tonight, and this is partly taken from his website. Murch is the world's leading expert on all things regio talking boards, both a collector as much as a historian on this topic. He founded the Talking Board Historical Society back in 2008 and currently still serves as his chairman of the board. His bizarre relationship with Ouija began back after having watched the movie Witchboard in 1986, a century after the talking board made its debut. Merch purchased his first antique Ouija board back in 92, and soon became obsessed with unraveling the fascinating mystery of its origins. Since then, he's devoted his life to researching the history of the Ouija board and its founders, often travelling the world to track down descendants of all those involved with the introduction of this mystifying oracle. Much has collaborated with various companies in the past, such as Hasbro, TCG Toys, and Toyco. They're the producers of the Ouija board today. For those of you that don't know, as well as having worked on various films, including Ouija, <laughs> you should think so. Inherent Vice, What Lies Beneath, Sugar and Spice, and Drive-Thru. He's also consulted on and/or appeared in numerous TV programs featuring Ouija, including Annie's Storage Wars and Paranormal State. Travel Channel's Mysteries at the Museum and Ghost Adventures, Destination America's Exorcism Live, Smithsonian Channel's My Million Dollar Invention, and CBS Sunday Morning. Mulch is an accomplished international lecturer speaking at various museums and conferences around the world. He's currently collaborating with Brandon Hodge in creating a book on the definitive history of spirit communication. As a rather interesting side note, Mulch was actually one of the first same-sex couples legally married in the United States and currently lives with his husband Gary in Boston, Massachusetts. And you can keep up with All of his ongoing research and past showcase knowledge via the websites robertmerch.com, williamfold, f-u-l-d.com, and the upcoming talkingboards.com. And with that, I have the incredible honor of welcoming Mr. Merch onto our show.
1: Merch, can you hear us okay? I can. Thank you so much. That was a great introduction.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, listen, it's our honor to have you on the show tonight. Why don't we talk about how you got into this? I know that you watched this movie, The Witchboard. Why did that movie uh, have an impact on you and put you on this road to, uh, you know, research all things Ouija?
1: Sure. So uh, Kevin Tenney's movie Witchboard was pretty amazing and groundbreaking because it was, though it wasn't the first movie to ever use a Ouija talking or spirit board in it, it was the first movie to make it the main character. So the entire movie revolves around this board game that some people believe is a lot more than just a board game. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really just fascinated me that that people were so taken aback and affected by a piece of wood with letters and numbers on it. And it really just kind of, you know, clicked in my head that belief was such a powerful thing. And I was uh, raised, uh, as an Orthodox Jew, I totally do not look like that now. <laughs> and, um, I'm not a practicing Orthodox Jew. I have shaved head and, uh, earrings and tattoos. So, um, nice. my grandmother, uh, was really big into horror, classic horror and suspense. And she would, when I was real little, my mother would say, don't let him watch all these things like creature devil feature. And she would immediately, you know, as soon as my mother would leave, she'd be like, okay, we're watching Creature Double Feature. <laughs> and she's the one who basically took me to Witchboard. I was 13 years old. And, um, you know, I wasn't supposed to go because it was, uh, you know, a rated R movie. And she took me anyway. And it just, you know, really affected me. And It wasn't really until years later in college, I was sharing a room with three other roommates. Uh, and so I was in a quad. And they decided to... Uh, rush for a fraternity and they basically, you know, wanted to go to this fraternity. I knew if I did this, I would never graduate if I was in a fraternity. So, uh, I figured if they went and they, they could have a good time, I could go visit. I could go to the parties, but I would also, you know, be able to study and graduate. And on their list of things to rush was, uh, finding an old Ouija board. And I had spent many summers. Uh, many weekends, antiquing, flea marketing, yard sailing with my dad. And so I just came home from college on the weekends. And when I was done, I realized I had 10 different Ouija boards and they were all different, you know, and, and that kind of really set me off into, okay, wait a minute. Is there only one Ouija board? Where do these come from? Mm -hmm. How come they're different? And, um, you know, back then, so this is like 1992 We're kind of really going back, um, and they, I had to go to you know a library and look up you know Ouija inside the encyclopedias, and every encyclopedia said the Ouija board came from someplace else. Oh, wow. And that was really poignant to me that that the Ouija board you can't ask anybody um, you know what is a Ouija board or have you ever played with it, and you know someone always they always know what you're talking about, and there's always a story, and yet we don't know where they come from. How can that be? And that just set me off into this like, you know, 25 year journey of researching something that's very iconic and and a real, you know, rite of passage and and something that's very culturally affected multi generations and, you know, has been consistently sold in toy stores for 125 years. It's pretty amazing.
0: At this point, you know, when, when you first started researching it and going out and finding boards, was it any sort of interest in the paranormal, in the freaky, or was it just... You know, it, oh, yeah. almost like a collector's <laughs> thing. I mean, what well, did you believe in it, I guess? <laughs> you know,
1: so, yeah, I yes. mean, you know, anyone who's raised in any Orthodox religion, you know, belief in the supernatural is just part of the game. There's no, I mean, you can't believe in God, the devil, um, angels, demons, ghosts, like all that's just all the same thing. So mm-hmm. to me, it was very natural. But, you know, it became, you know, I think I went from an interest in the paranormal and that turned into collecting, which ended up turning me into a historian, which was, you know, not, none of those things were where my head was planning on going. Life mm-hmm. is really funny that way where it kind of takes you where it wants to go. But, um, I don't like unanswered puzzles and the Ouija board is kind of the, it really encompasses everything about a puzzle because the Ouija board is a mirror and it really reflects what you bring to it. Mm-hmm. So belief intent. And you know where you're at that day, that moment uh, in time, and who you're playing with. All of those things really affect, you know, what you might say, playing with a Ouija board or a session. And in order, what I learned in my whole experience, all these years, all you know, collaborating with you know hundreds of people at this point, um, and in different groups and historical societies and government agencies, what you really learn is that um, it's just a really unique thing. There's nothing else like the Ouija board. And when you become a historian, you have to be really careful because how the Ouija board is viewed today, overwhelmingly, is not the way the Ouija board was always overwhelmingly seen. And you have to put it in perspective of the time. So what was happening in 1886 when the term talking board first gets coined and Ouija becomes and born in 1890? life was a little different. And so how it was seen by the public and how it was marketed and, um, you know, why it was bought and, you know, some of those things have changed a little bit and, and that's really important to view. But the real kind of, you know, big interesting thing is that we just haven't solved the mystery of death. And, you know, when, when you sit at a Ouija board, whether you like it or not, and whether you believe that it's really talking to the other side, for that brief moment that it starts to move, you're really entertaining the thought that someday you might be on the other side of that board. And that's why the Ouija board is so important because though some people see it as a game and it's, does Bobby like me? You know, will he kiss me? Those are, you know, important questions for someone who's a certain age to ask. But what we're really asking is what happens to us? when we die and and what if you know you never got to say goodbye to someone that they died very quickly and you know you never got to apologize for something that you said the last thing you said to them was horrible you got into a fight you never got to make peace with it all of those things are really behind why people use ouija boards in the first place and and i think a lot of people forget how very personal it is you know that that When someone dies, there's so many unanswered questions. and, And, you know, we won't answer those questions tonight. They haven't been answered for thousands of years. It's belief. And your belief, what you bring to the board, is really important. Because people who don't believe in the paranormal, people who don't believe in ghosts, guess what? They don't see ghosts. They don't have paranormal experiences. Belief is really important because, you know, your belief, your perception is really a huge part of your reality. You know, you your reality is what you believe it to be. And, and whether that makes you open to communicating with something else or whether that just opens up your subconscious, which some people believe is what happens when you place your hands on the planchette of a talking board, you know, it, it almost doesn't matter because you're going to walk away with what you believe it to be you know, like you're, I'm not going to be able to tell you what it was. And, and, and with the Ouija board, it may not always be the same. Sometimes, you know, I played it, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of times at this point with other people, is it always something paranormal? Is it always your subconscious? Is it always, I don't know. That's what makes it really, really neat is that every time you sit at it, you can have a very different result.
2: True, very true. March, why don't you tell us a little bit about the the history of the Ouija board because it's quite colorful. Mm. I mean, there's there's a, a few key players in all of this. Has the the Ouija board always been around in the in the fashion that we've seen it today? Uh, you know, with the board and a planchette, and uh, who was responsible for making this such a popular uh, board game to have?
1: So, for you know, everyone who's listening, I said talking boards, and, and talking boards are, are the general class of these games, meaning that any board. Anything that has a a movable piece that points out letters, numbers, and spells out messages, you know, on a surface, that's a talking board. But, you know, Ouija itself wasn't born until 1890. So many devices, you know, after 1848, where the modern spiritualist movement takes place, lots of different devices, including, you know, you mentioned before my friend Brandon Hodge. He's really the planchette guy, and he really focuses on just the movable piece because that movable piece for many, many years uh, existed on its own. It was its own thing. So if you think of the planchette as this heart-shaped piece that sits on the Ouija board, at one time, it had two casters, uh, little wheels. And at the point, instead of a big hole where you would see the letter, mm-hmm. there would be a pencil hole, and you would place your hand on the planchette. You would ask the spirits a question, and it would help you write out the answer.
2: Oh, almost like automatic writing, it sounds like.
1: It it is. It's exactly automatic writing and spirit writing. And so this existed, you know, from the 1850s forward. And there were dial plates, many different devices that kind of would arc and point to letters. But it really wasn't until 1886 that we see the talking board look exactly like the Ouija board, exactly like what we think of it today. And um, basically, it, it, the story gets picked up in Ohio, uh, and it, the Associated Press blasts it all over the world, and so London, Sydney, Australia, Paris, goes all over. And it, and it, it very much describes, drawings, exactly what the talking board uh, looks like. And you have to remember that the talking board was clearly inspired and came out of the spiritualist movement, and therefore was meant... To talk to the other side. That's what this was all about at the beginning. And what happens by 1890 and what makes Ouija so different is that, and we kind of go back to the the people who were behind Ouija itself, um, not just the talking board, but the people who decided to market and, and mass market it. So these other talking boards were being homemade. Anyone could make them and anyone can still make them. You don't have to buy, you know, one that's in the store. You can, you know, just make it yourself paper and, you know, use pencil and, and some, a glass or anything that can slide over the top of it. But when Ouija first started getting mass manufactured, what was really interesting and really smart was they didn't tell you why it worked. So unlike its predecessors, unlike its competition, they didn't say that it was necessarily the spirit world, which opened all the population as potential customers, right? It wasn't just people who believed you were talking to spirits. It was, you don't know why it works. Ask the Ouija board anything, and it will tell you. It will tell you about the past, present, and future. And so, you know, suddenly this this tool that was being used to talk to the other side was now kind of in the parlor of every household, and people were having mini seances on their own. And, and, and think about, again, think about the time. So, you know, we're coming off a time when if you wanted to have a seance and, and speak to someone who passed on, you had to pay and hire a medium. And, and that was expensive. And, you know, sometimes you had to go there and sometimes they could go here. Well, suddenly you could kind of have this experience in your own house. And, and we just took off just huge. But again, you have to go back and think about why would talking to the dead be so important? I mean, it's important today, but why at the time Did something like this take off? And that's because, you know, we came off the Civil War, massive death in the United States, more death in the United States than it's ever seen before. Everyone lost a father, a grandfather, an uncle, a son, a cousin, you name it. And and these people, some of them didn't just die. They just disappeared. You know, they went away, were killed in a battlefield, never to return. And so the Ouija board today does the same thing it did back then, which was, it answered questions that nothing else could. And when your life consists of more loss than gain, when more people around you died, talking to the dead is very obvious and natural. Well, what else are you gonna do? You know, you don't have the internet, you don't have your iPad or your iPhone, and you know, you don't have a droid. So you sit at the talking board and you see if there are any messages, any loved ones to do it. And today, I'm not saying that people are more okay with death back then. It's just that when it's in your face and when you live it more, you can't help but deal with it. And today, we 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 don't like death at all. You know, people today, um, we don't even like to look old, right? We, <laughs> we right. have plastic surgery. You know, we, we're very healthy. We live a lot longer. We are very uncomfortable with death and even aging. So the Ouija board becomes very creepy and dark because it's something we just don't want to deal with at all. And yet, because we're humans and because we die and death happens, the Ouija board is as relevant today as it was back in 1886.
2: It's fascinating, like I said, that this board has been around for so many years and it still manages to uh, be, I mean, I don't know the numbers, but I I believe it's one of the top sellers of all time, right? I mean, people are continually buying this, this board. Why don't you tell me a little bit about a gentleman by the name of uh, Elijah Bond? Because I know that uh, he was a, a key figure in all of this. And you actually uh, went through some great lengths to find uh, his final resting place.
1: Yeah. So we'll go back a little bit before him because Elijah Bond enters the scene um, and he patents the Ouija board. Okay, So in 1890. Um, but before that, in 1886 the same year that this uh, Associated Press story takes off starting in Ohio, two men from Chestertown, Maryland, both claimed to invent the board that would become Ouija. And now, you might hear me say Ouija or Ouija. Mm-hmm. Originally, it was Ouija. By the 1920s, it had changed to Ouija because they would say, you're Ouijing, So people shortened it to Ouija. So it just became a, kind of a slang. Um, so these two men that worked together, Charles Kennard is uh, a fertilizer manufacturer and a businessman, and right next door to him is EC Rush. And EC Rush uh, is basically an undertaker, and he's a furniture maker, a cabinet maker, instrument maker, makes all kinds of things. Charles Kennard would claim that he came up with the idea and brought it to EC Rush to make a dozen for him. E.C. Rush would later claim and, and somewhat prove that he had come up with the idea and that, uh you know, Charles Kennard had kind of seen it at a, his father-in-law's party. Whatever happened between them, who knows, Charles Kennard moves to Baltimore, and that's where he meets Elijah Bond. And Charles Kennard is very much taken by this idea. It, it, it really, you know, four years he works on this idea. He brings it to Baltimore, and Elijah Bond, uh, who is also a Mason, uh, they basically, you know, decide we don't have to make these at home. We could manufacture these and people would want to buy them. They would be something that people would rather buy, maybe, than they would make themselves. So they decide to start the company, the Kennard Novelty Company in Baltimore, Maryland, and they start to make this board. Now, they don't really have a name for it. We think they were calling it a witch board, but we don't know. But one night, uh, with Elijah Bond's sister-in-law, Helen Peters, they sit around the board and they ask it what it wants to be called. And it spells out O-U-I-J-A. And when they ask what that means, it answers, good luck. And so the board names itself with the help of Helen Peters, who, who Elijah Bond calls you know, a strong medium. And this is his sister-in-law. And she also ends up going with him to Washington, D.C. because when they file for a patent, you know, the government thinks, I, I don't know. like, can, How do you patent something like this? How do we prove it works? And so they say, you have to come to Washington to demonstrate this. So Elijah Vaughn makes his sister-in-law, Helen Peters. They go to Washington, D.C., and they actually have to prove to the patent office that it works. And with Helen Peters at the board, um, they do just that, and they do get their patent. So Elijah Bond, his story was kind of lost for a long, long, long time, mm-hmm. and it took a lot of collaborating with a lot of different people, a lot of different groups. Um, it took me just a long long time to find where he uh, was buried and then with the help of a lot of other collectors we raised the funds to put in a gravestone for him because weirdly enough he didn't have a gravestone he was uh, buried in an unmarked grave in his wife's family plot and so today if people are in maryland in baltimore and want to visit green mount cemetery you can see a big marker that has a ouija board on one side of it and um his name that says patentee of the Ouija board. And so what we did was we put the drawing from his patent on the back of the the gravestone. So it gets quite a bit of attention, as you can imagine, a gravestone with a Ouija board on it. Pretty interesting.
2: <laughs> I've seen pictures of it. It looks great. Now let me ask you this, uh, you know, because, again, this, this was so such an unusual, um, can we call it a game? How, how do we refer to this? Uh,
1: well, you know, the, so the, the U.S. government, In 1921, um, they basically decided this, that it was a game. A lot of people don't know this, but um, a company that was making little Ouija boards uh, was hit up by the IRS. And they said, hey, you're selling this game. It falls under sporting goods. There's a game tax. And they're like, no, this isn't a game. You know, not at all. This isn't a game. It's more than a game. And so the fight began. It went all the way to the Supreme Court, and every court decided that it did fall under a game, that the original patent was patented underneath the game, and that regardless that there were no winners or losers or that it was unlike any other game, it was being sold for entertainment purposes, and um, it fit the definition of a government, and therefore, you had to pay tax. So the, it went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court refused to hear the case, letting the lower court stand, and so it, it was indeed considered a game. But again it doesn't matter because it's what people believe. An interesting thing today is that anyone who's into the paranormal or who does ghost investigations or anything, they use lots of different tools to investigate, you know, K2 meters, EVP recorders, ghost boxes, you know, you name it. There's a million things that come up almost every week. Um the oculus is a great one, but People really have a different view of the Ouija board. And what's interesting is we give the Ouija board something we don't give any other spirit communication device. We give it its own power. And so, see, like right now, we're on the phone, we're talking, we're having fun, and then all of a sudden we get into a fight and we start saying nasty stuff to each other and I threaten you, you threaten me. We hang up the phone. You know, you don't take your iPhone. Throw it out the window and say, I'll never have another one of these in my house again. (laughs) Right, right. But that's what happens with the Ouija board. Somehow we forget that the Ouija board is just the tool. It's just the telephone you happen to be using at the moment to try to commune with the other side. The board itself doesn't have any particular power. It only does because we give it that power. Again, Your K2 meter, your EVP recorder picks up all these horrible messages that says, I'm going to kill you. You don't get rid of your digital recorder. You say, cool, let's get some more. But if you got that on the Ouija board, you'd be like, okay, hell no. Get this thing out of here. And so we, we really believe that the board itself has a power unlike any other tool. And that's where things start to get really interesting. And that's why the Ouija board has had this reputation and, again, is so popular.
2: Bringing it to a more uh, contemporary context, it is something that you see quite a bit in paranormal investigations. And it does get a really bad rap. Personally, I've only messed with a Ouija. Uh, or Should I say Ouija or Ouija? I don't know. I'm always you can't torn. say either. Either? Okay. <laughs> um, I've only messed with the Ouija board once in my life. I, I remember when I was a kid, probably like six or seven, I actually saw the, the neighborhood kids playing with one. And um, I didn't partake in it, but there were about two or three kids with mm-hmm. their hands on the thing. And this thing was just like flying from one side of the board to the other. And they were wow. like, oh, you're moving. it! No, you're moving. It. <laughs> and I was like, oh, what is this? That was like the first time I've ever seen it. Right. Yeah. I asked my mom about it. And she told me, never touch it. Don't go near oh, it. No. My
0: mom said the same thing. as like, I remember watching a movie and she's like, that thing there, <laughs> never touch it. <laughs>
2: yeah. But, you know, years later, you know, I'm, I, I find myself doing this show and I'm interviewing people who, yeah, you know, investigate the paranormal. So obviously I come back and, you know. You know, within range of the of the Ouija board. And I remember I interviewed a gentleman by the name of uh, Sid Schultz, who is, uh, I, th- I believe yeah. he leads, yeah, at the paranormal boot camp. He was very knowledgeable. And I asked him, you know, is the Ouija board, you know, uh, dangerous? Is there something that we should be concerned with? And he said something very similar to what you said, which was that it's just a tool, just like a voice recorder is a tool or or a K2 meter is a tool, the Ouija board is just another tool in the toolbox of the paranormal investigator so i began to understand that i suppose that it is kind of the intention that the individual or individuals uh have when using this board that uh, i guess will will uh uh have an effect on on its results obviously you have come in contact with i don't know how many boards are there in your collection if you don't mind me asking
1: yeah so, you know, like, I have a lot of boards. Um, I have over 500 different boards, oh but that doesn't include, you know, the variations of those boards. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, you get into a lot. Like, you, you get into like over a thousand different yeah. boards. So I, 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 it's not just boards, uh, Ouija boards that I collect, but it's also, um, all the artwork, all the magazine covers, all the articles, every, um, you know, piece of sheet music. And I follow it through television silent from Mm -hmm. silent movies forward to today. Um, anytime it's mentioned in a song. And what I'm trying to do is trying to see how the Ouija board was seen and viewed in the decade that I'm looking at. Mm -hmm. So it's really helpful because, you know, again, there were always people who believed the Ouija board was bad from the beginning. It mm-hmm. just was more of a minority. It, it really isn't until later that it gets really tough. Um, and that's, you know, after we really see a significant change in the public's view and in Hollywood after the movie The Exorcist. In that movie, things really change for it. Now, now the pendulum had been swinging. This wasn't like a a switch was flipped. Like, everything is cyclical. So if we look at all the movies and TV shows and articles, they start to get a little darker over time. And, you know, whereas, you know, originally it's it's used as like a, a dating game. It's supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be like a really good time. Suddenly we start seeing it being viewed in Hollywood as, you know, Helping the main character figure out who the murderer was by spelling out the, you know, the name or giving the initials. And, and then it starts to get a little darker where it's delivering messages that are really kind of harsh from the other side. And then suddenly we have the exorcist, which not the true case, but the movie. We, there's a very small scene in there where she goes into the, the mother goes into the basement. She sees the Ouija board out. She asks the daughter where She got it. She found it. She plays with her by herself. And she's talking to this thing called Captain Howdy. And then we know she becomes possessed by this demon. And so it really crept into the psyche of Americans and and everyone who watched this movie that if you play the Ouija board alone, you can possibly become possessed. And that really took off. And so almost Every movie afterwards it basically does the same thing. And even in Witchboard, um, in 1986, basically they call it progressive entrapment. That what happens is that you play the Ouija board alone, and the spirit who's using your energy to, to manipulate the board, if you don't have more than one person there, they can possess you by wearing you down, kind of using your energy. And, and so he, Kevin Tenney, who was just a master at, at what he did with Witchboard, he kind of took what had been mentioned or hinted at in The Exorcist and really built upon it. So, you know, it's hard. Does life imitate art or does art imitate life? It's just the movies. Are they reflecting what people are feeling or are they going to affect what people think because they see the movie? Right. You know, and ultimately it doesn't even matter because, you know, that's what people believe. You know, there's a real. Like you said, you know, your parents would say, Don't touch that thing. But if you asked your grandparents, they would tell you they played the Ouija board and it was always funny. You know, Oh, we used to scare the hell out of my little sister with it because she <laughs> wouldn't leave us alone. So we'd push it and tell it, you know, things like, If you don't get to bed right now, we're gonna come get you and she'd go off screaming. Every generation rediscovers the Ouija board. And that's what the kind of the really unique thing is. And and I've been lucky enough. To like I said, work with some amazing other people and learn an awful lot, and and have these opportunities to, you know, not only research it from the, you know, entertainment side, but then be able to work on different TV shows and movies, and you know, it's just a lot of fun.
2: What have your experiences been like with the Ouija board?
1: You know, so I you know I've tried to play by myself and. You know, now you can get it to work on its own. It's a lot of practice. So for, for anyone who's listening, if they're thinking about trying to play it, I'll give you some advice, like what I've learned over all these years. And that's, it works better the more people who are using it. So if you have three to four, it's hard to put five people on a Ouija board, but if you get like three or four, it works faster. You have to have a little patience because sometimes it, it works very, it starts off very slow. It really does depend who you put together with it. Another thing is think about the questions you want to ask ahead of time, like write them down, come up with 10 questions you really want to know. Because what I've seen happen a million times with people is the minute it starts moving, your brains freak out and you cannot think anymore and you just can't, what do I ask? What should I ask? Oh my God, it's working. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you come up with a list of questions, you can kind of get over that pretty quickly. The other thing is, don't ask questions you don't want answers to. It seems really simple and obvious, but I'll tell you a story. And it, it happened to me once a long time ago. And um, last year, we celebrated OuijaCon, which was the 125th anniversary. The Ouija board was named 125 years ago last year. And the patent went through 125 years ago this year wow so last year we celebrated with the city of baltimore and put in a plaque in the building that's still standing where the ouija board was named and what happened to me is these two girls ran up to me while i was talking to someone else and they said you know uh, merch like we want to tell you the story i was so freaked out by the ouija board we were playing it and it just told us these horrible things and i said well you know okay, tell me what happened. Like, I want to hear, you know, what it said to you. And she said, well, we're playing it and the Ouija board told us how and when we were going to die. And I I said, well, that's awfully specific. What did you ask the Ouija board when it told you this? And she said, well, we asked the Ouija board how and when we were going to die. So, you know, I kind of laughed and said, well, okay, you know, so you got an answer and now you're freaked out. Well, you know, I, I tell, I make it a joke, and I tell everybody all the time. What should you ask the Ouija board? The lottery numbers, of course. Like win the Mega Bucks with these things. Right, like right. I, I, I don't ask things that are going to scare you or bother you, because if you do that, you're setting off a whole different vibe or energy to the thing. You know, you're, you're really opening it up to a very different experience. You know, like, there are things we always want to know. But, I mean, if the Ouija board tells you, oh, you you die in a car accident and it's with a red car, well, like, for Mm -hmm. the rest of your life, you're going to be avoiding red cars. And that may not have anything to do with it. So, you know, do Ouija boards always tell the truth? You know, again, there's a lot of things you have to ask yourself when you sit at these things, which is the real question you're asking isn't, can Ouija boards talk to the dead? It's, can you talk to the dead? So is spirit communication possible? And if it is, does the spirit you're talking to suddenly become omniscient just because it died? Like that's a whole nother set of beliefs that once you die, you know things that you wouldn't have known when you were alive. Well, we don't know that. I mean, you know, Casper the Friendly Ghost has never come back and given us the rule book. And, and, And it's funny, like I'm trying to make everyone laugh, but it's true. And again, it comes down to belief. There are people who believe that, you know, you're talking to ghosts. Other people are like, no, no, no. With a Ouija board, you're talking to demons and and something that has never been human before. And so they lie to you and they pretend to be your relatives because they just want to talk to you. And, you know, is it possible? Any of that's true? Well, I mean, anything's possible. But you have to remember that, you know, in the 1850s, they had already known about something called idea-motor response. And idea-motor response is what the scientists believe is happening when you sit at a Ouija board, and that is the marrying of these small movements in your hands. If you look, if you hold your hand up, everyone's hand shakes a little bit. You know, some of us, if we haven't been drinking enough, you shake a little bit more. But other people, it, it you know, it doesn't shake. It, it stays still. But your hands always want to move because we're made of muscles. We don't want to stay still, but we want the board to work. And so when you sit at the Ouija board and you ask a question, these small movements in your hands become fluid, and your subconscious opens up, and it's what's really answering the questions. So your brain is playing a big trick on you, that you're you're moving the board, you just don't know it. And when these answers are correct, scientists believe that what's really happening is, is that you already have the answer inside you, you just don't remember it. So you might ask the board, what's my great, great grandmother's middle name? And, you know, it spells out Rosalind. And, Mm -hmm. and then you call your grandmother and you're like, Hey, what was our great, great grandmother's? And it says Rosalind. You're, Oh my God, it must have been the spirits. Well, when you were two years old, someone said this in front of you and that information went in your head because Mm -hmm. your subconscious and your brain is an amazing thing. And what they know from hypnosis is that when you walk into a room, you see everything, every little detail, what shoe, what color socks they're wearing, what color eyes they people have, what's going on around you, the music that's playing. But in order to function, your conscious mind filters all of that stuff out so that you can focus on whatever it is you're trying to do. So that just because you don't pay attention to it doesn't mean it doesn't go into your brain. And so that's what scientists say is happening when you use the Ouija board, is that it's really all you. It's not an external force. It's all inside of you. But here's another theory that's kind of interesting. What if you create the ghost? What if because you believe that you've actually created something that you Mm -hmm. talk to, that it really is your brain, but your Mm -hmm. brain has now created something, that your thoughts have some physical interaction with the world?
0: A lot of people, you know, uh we discussed this recently with some of our friends, but it's what a lot of people call tulpas is something that can be created by the power of your mind, you know, whether it's a spirit or a demon. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, the idea of tolpas, which is it seems very much like what you're talking about, seems quite accurate. Sorry yeah, for that mean, the objections.
1: We we understand very little about our brain you know i mean we're, we're a very advanced society today and yet we really don't get how much of our brain isn't being utilized and so who's to say that you don't you know that, that again these are just thoughts they're not yeah. we, there's no answers and there's nothing right or wrong about this it's, it really is belief but when people see poltergeist or when they see telekinetic energy and things moving around what if that's just you You know that's doing it. What if it's just the people? And is that any less amazing that it's you or or a ghost? I mean, you know, I I don't know. You know, to be it's all pretty amazing. But I think people keeping an open mind about it. I will tell you, if you believe that the Ouija board is evil and that you can become possessed and that it can threaten you Mm -hmm. and you know do bad things, don't play it because I promise you, you will have a bad experience. Mm -hmm. Like I said before the Ouija board really is a mirror Mm -hmm. and it reflects your deepest secrets and your darkest fears. So if you're really afraid of stuff, like and you're in that really bad space, it will talk about all these things that bother you that you may not want other people to know. And if you go into it in a good space where you're just like, I'm going to go into this and I'm going to have a good time, we're going to ask some questions and we're going to see what's here. You'll have a really good time with it. It really is kind of your intentions and what you bring to the table. And, you know, for people who, who the Ouija board starts getting a little, you know, wonky and starts saying some things that you don't like, remember there's a goodbye right at the bottom for a reason. It's like a phone call. I mean, I don't know. Hopefully your listeners, you know, are not so young that they, they don't remember this, but before star 69 and before caller ID, we all used to call people and prank them all the time. You know, they didn't know who was gone and they couldn't call us back. Yeah. So it was really fun. And, you know, it's, it's basically the same thing here. What did you do when the person started screaming and swearing at you because you'd called them five times? You just hung up. <laughs> and, and some people believe based out of these bad experiences, things called, you know, these urban legends or things that are called we have come out, which is never use the Ouija board by itself. Don't use the Ouija board in a graveyard. You know, like never ask the Ouija board when you're going to die. And, you know, all of these different things that come up about these boards. And the more you believe them, the more they're real to you. And again, just fascinating because the Ouija board reflects all of this stuff back to you.
2: Merch, we're going to take a quick top of the hour break. So would you be kind enough just to hang on the line for a few minutes while we listen to some tunes and uh, take care of uh, the business side of things? Is that all right? <laughs> of course. Awesome. Uh, and we're going to be right back in just a few minutes. Uh, let me see. I have a track lined up because, believe it or not, it's been a month since uh, Prince passed away. I want to play a Prince track because, actually, this is one of my all-time favorite tracks, and I was introduced to this track by uh, a good uh, buddy of ours, uh, Adam Braben, Very a.k.a. Cool DJ Adam 12. He's an amazing DJ. He's a DJ for everyone, including the president, and one of his first DJ gigs, believe it or not, was being Prince... DJ.
0: Princess DJ. Yeah. I Witch. mean, it sounds like you're a princess DJ. I know. I was trying to
2: make sure that it sounded <laughs> correctly, but, uh, I remember that, uh, you know, I was running the board for his show a few years back and he played this track and I couldn't get it out of my head. And, uh, it's called Last Heart. So we're going to go out with that. We're going to enjoy that. So, uh, don't go away. West of the Rock is coming right back in just a few minutes. Our guest tonight is Robert Merch, a historian and expert on all things Talking boards. I believe yeah. talking boards is the more talking generic. Talking
0: boards is yep.
2: So enjoy this track. Prince, Last Heart. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Don't go away. Let's the Rockies. <laughs> back to the second hour west of the Rockies I'm Frank thank you guys for sticking around I know it's late but man we're having a, a really fascinating conversation with our guest tonight as always I'm Engineer Frank on Twitter west of the Rockies on Facebook I'm joined by the lovely Genevieve Genevieve Uwe on Twitter that's and, uh, right and don't forget to follow the show have
0: fun spelling that
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I always say go to the website if you don't know how to spell it I'm not gonna that, sit here and go that was such
0: a commercial move of mine I, uh, I mean it, Well, it wasn't a commercial. Yeah, it wasn't.
2: That's why. (laughs) So that's why. (laughs) Um, Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter. That's at WTR Radio. Give us a like on Facebook, Facebook.com slash West of the Rockies. And a big shout out to everybody who's been signing up to our YouTube channel. Like I said, our guest tonight is Robert Merch, an expert and a historian of all things talking boards, most commonly known as Ouija boards. Robert, can you tell people where um, they can keep up with you and all your research and everything for the talking board lovers out there?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. You know, if you want to see what I'm doing, you know, per se, you can go to robertmurch.com, and that's M-U-R-C-H, Dot .com and um if you want to see what what me and a bunch of other people are doing really talented uh other collectors, historians and artists uh, all part of the uh Talking Board Historical Society you can go to the tbhs.org and learn all about us and and hopefully in a week or so we'll have a brand new website up that we should be really cool and and, and have a lot of different stuff on there. Same thing on, uh, Facebook. You can find me up. I have a, uh, Robert Merge public page where I post things and, uh, the Talking Board Historical Society. You can look them up as well. They have their own page and they're posting all really interesting posts every day.
2: I was just going to say, are you going to have like a, a flash version of the Ouija board on the new website? <laughs> <No>?
1: <laughs> I'm sure there will be something for people to play with. Very cool.
2: Now, I, I saved my back announcing for this point because I wanted to have merch on the line for this question. Coming out of the break, we're listening to a little uh, Mars Volta and. There's a, a, an interesting story. I think it's official. If I may use the term official, I mean, you can Wikipedia this and, and it's there as reliable as Wikipedia can be. But apparently this band had a, you know, they, they recorded an album with a title, uh, the Bedlam and Goliath. And apparently. Uh, Some of the Mm -hmm. songs or some of the things that happened were inspired by a Ouija board that one of the band members acquired while in uh, Jerusalem, if I got my facts correct. Mm -hmm. And some really crazy things happened. Um, Do you know that story? And what can you tell me about it? I mean, that's some fascinating stuff.
1: Yeah, you know, basically, um, it's always a little tough because when it comes to rock and roll, Ouija has its own relationship. There are many bands that claim to either get their name Mm-hmm. From or be influenced by the Ouija board. And again, it's timing. It's it's when the band came up. But in another one, uh, Cheap Trick claimed to get their name, and uh, Alice Cooper, the band Alice Cooper, mm-hmm. they used to play the Ouija board, and that was the name of the spirit they were talking to. But um, you know what you're talking about is really interesting because when they did an album, uh, Mars Volta, the uh, LP, the actual um, vinyl. If you opened it up, there was a Ouija board inside and they did the same thing with the CD. And then they also made a USB stick, which was in the shape of a planchette. So they were very much influenced by their experiences with the Ouija board, whether, you know, those experiences were true or or not. Who knows? But, um, you know, absolutely. They dedicated an entire album to it.
2: Yeah, no, I, like I said, I read the story uh, a while back, and actually a friend of, of mine told me about it. And I was like, no, that sounds a little too outrageous, but sure enough, it looks like it actually happened. Uh, <laughs> Merch, before the break, uh, you uh, you threw in some big fancy word.
1: I-D-E-O motor response. There we go. So it's it's, it's the I-D-E-O motor response.
2: And, you know, it's funny because for the longest time, even though I always kept my distance from, the, <laughs> you know, from, from participating in some of, the, you know, the, the contacting the spirits or what have you, I always felt that part of the reason why I also wasn't trusting the results 100% is because I felt that there is some leeway for human error, right? You know, people have their hands on mm-hmm. it. You know, any number of things can happen as we discussed in the first hour. Is that something it happens uh, commonly? I mean, is it just us influencing the outcome? Or I guess as I've come to learn, it, it really depends. And, you know, you could potentially be talking to someone or something else.
1: I think it really can be. It makes it very personal. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever played the Ouija board, the minute it starts to move, everything changes in the room. You know, it, you get very quiet. You can hear the little felt feet moving on the board. People are looking at each other. Are you pushing it? Am I pushing it? And, you know, you're, you're really not sure what's going on. And so, yeah, of course, anytime you enter a human into something, there's the potential for them manipulating it without them knowing, which is the whole belief mm-hmm. in idea-motor response. Mm-hmm. You really don't know you're doing it. It's just you want it to work. And you know, here's another example for people to try to understand what that big word means. You're driving home. You have a million things to do. You're running late. You're thinking about, oh, I got to go home. I got to stop at the grocery store. I got to make dinner. I got to get this done. I got to get this. And all of a sudden you realize you're off the highway and you're almost home. You weren't paying attention to the road but somehow your brain really took over and it stopped you from getting into an accident. It allowed you to turn and do the things you'd normally do because there's motor memory, you know, and there's um, muscle memory that's going on. And so all of these things that happen, it's the same thing. Your subconscious protects you from getting hurt. And when it wants you to do things, You do them. It's, it's kind of like the Freudian slip, you know, you see someone and you're thinking it in your head and suddenly it slips out and you're like, Oh God, that was horrible. But that's, you know, again, what scientists believe is happening. And so even if you don't know you're pushing it, you might be, but then there's also, you know, everyone's got a friend who's a jerk who's purposely pushing (laughs) it, you know, like those are the people you, you know, you don't want to play with because, you know, they're just having a good time. It's trying to scare everyone. Yeah, Yeah. But. You know, and, and there always is that. And that's why, again, for people who want to play, practice playing with different people. Like, you know, if it doesn't work with the three people you picked, try a different, swap one person out. It really, once it happens, and then the more you practice, every time you do it, it gets a little bit easier. It's like riding a bike. You know, yeah. you're really bad at it first. The more you do it, the quicker and everything starts to work. And a lot of that has to do with it's very hard for people to... Um, Not push too hard that you're not holding it down, but keeping your fingers on it because everyone wants to keep lifting it up. And and I can tell everyone, all my experience, you see it on the movies, you hear people say it, you know, the, the planchette just moved across the board and flew across the room all by itself. I've never seen that. So as far as I'm concerned, you have to be touching it for it to work. So if you keep lifting your fingers off it, trying to see who's moving it, it'll just stop yeah you know, so you really do. You're, you are part of the, what makes the Ouija board so much fun and, and is what it's what causes what you're asking. Is it that you're influencing it? How do you know? You are part of it. The Ouija board doesn't work by itself. You have to put your hands on it. And, and because you're part of this connection that makes it work, it gets really, really cool because it's not like an EVP recorder that you just sit down in a room and walk away and ask it or, you know, a K2 meter that you put down and let it blink, you know, for, you know, whatever or a flashlight that you, you're using. So you, you are very much part of the process. Right.
2: And one of the uh, bad reputations that the Ouija board has gotten has been due to obviously you know religious groups they caution people and and well not just caution they more or less forbid people from using this device as a matter of fact a few weeks ago we we did an interview and we were talking about Richard Ramirez you know the, the serial killer and we heard a story about a teenager who who saw Richard Ramirez get arrested and something happened, you know, there was some weird connection there and the teenager uh, went home and started dabbling in some dark things and, and messing with the Ouija board. And apparently, you know, the whole house became, you know, a very um, uneasy place to say the least. Mm-hmm. So there are quite a few stories that say, you know, don't do that, it's, you know, gateway to hell, demons, etc. Is that something that people should be uh, worried about when they use this device?
1: I think anytime you're dealing with the paranormal or the unknown, you should always be careful. And, you know, it's funny for people who are into the paranormal, they know who Lorraine Warren is. You know, she's kind of like the godmother of the paranormal. She, Her and her husband, Ed, were researching the paranormal when ghost hunting was not a cool thing to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they go way back. And had a really cool opportunity to interview... Lorraine for like six to eight hours when we were trying to film something um, about the Ouija board. And actually, you know, she hates the Ouija board. I love the Ouija board. <laughs> we really agree on one interesting thing, which is the Ouija board is no less dangerous than any other spirit communication tool because what you're asking to happen is you're conjuring. You are calling something else to you to answer. Whether you use a Ouija board or tarot cards or a dowsing rod or a crystal ball or whatever you want to use that you're trying to do this, you're invoking the same thing. Now, again, whether that's your subconscious, whether that's some outside entity, whether it's telepathy, whether it's your own mind creating an entity to answer you, all of that is equally dangerous. And psychologists will tell you poking around in your subconscious is not always a great idea because... Your subconscious builds this wall between your conscious mind and your subconscious in order to protect you. So, you know, for instance, for kids who, you know, are, are treated horribly and molested, they sometimes don't remember what happened until they're much older yeah. because their mind couldn't handle it. So it, it, it keeps you away from it. So if you poke around in your subconscious and kind of pull out some bricks, the Ouija board does that. It allows some stuff to sift through. If, that's what you believe is happening. And so if you have issues, if you have any type of emotional or um, mental impairments, the Ouija board is a really bad idea because you are poking around with some stuff that is just not that great. But I think for the vast majority of people, today the Ouija board is a rite of passage. It's most people's first experience in the paranormal on purpose. So like when you're little, you might hear something or see something, but the Ouija board is usually the first time you on purpose try to make contact. You know, whether that's at a sleepover or a slumber party, whatever, you know, it's the first time you sit down and say, is anybody there? And when the first time you do anything, is usually a terrible experience because you don't know what you're doing. You have no idea what's going to happen. You're not prepared. You don't know what to ask. That's why it's it really is practice. And so are they dangerous? They're as dangerous as you let them be. Because if scary stuff starts to happen and you don't stop playing, well, whose fault is that? And that's the interesting thing about the Ouija board is we put all of the blame and all of the responsibility on everything that happened on the board itself, not right. the people who are playing it, even though the board is simply the telephone you're using. Now, people will say, well, what if you use it and, you know, I used it and it opened a portal and then my house became haunted and okay, look, if there was stuff in your house before, it was already there before. Is it possible that you using a Ouija board become sensitive to this other the stuff that's going on of course. It's like, you know, anyone who's ever done this, you buy a car and, you know, you, you shop around, you find the car you love, and suddenly you realize you see that car everywhere, that model all over the road. You never noticed it before, but suddenly it's everywhere. You're like, oh my God, like so many people are driving a Ford Explorer. I can't believe it. You know, I never noticed how many people were doing it before. It's the same thing that happens here. Once you kind of get in tune with, playing the board. You start to believe that everything that happens around you, well, all those things were always happening. You just kind of weren't paying attention to them. And then another thing that can happen when you play the Ouija board is like anything else, you start connecting dots that aren't meant to be connected. You play the Ouija board and suddenly you hear these sounds in your house. Well, just because you played the Ouija board doesn't mean it's not a squirrel in your attic. It could just be a squirrel in your attic. Right. You know, like you're in the basement and you start to feel like you're being watched. Well, you might have some really bad insulation on your, on your wires. We know that electromagnetic fields cause people to feel paranoid. There are lots of real life explanations, but sometimes it's more than that. So I would tell everyone, like anything else, you're playing with the unknown. And whenever you play with the unknown, there's danger. How dangerous that is? Well, it's dangerous to cross the road. But you know you have to get to the other side because work is on the other side. So you still cross the road. You just look both ways. So to me, my advice is the Ouija board is something that most people are going to play. And the more we tell people not to do it, the more they'll do it. Cause that's what we all do, especially when you tell kids not to do something. They want to do it. I just think it's, it's more, remember you're kind of in charge. Something bad starts to happen. You just say goodbye and you put it away. You know, there's, there's no harm in being like, okay, that's enough of that. Right.
2: It's very sound and rational advice. I think that a lot of times people kind of get caught up in the, in the mysticism surrounding this, this board merge before we run out of time. Uh, you know, we do this thing called the top five on this show. So we wanted to get your, your top five cases where the Ouija board has been used and yielded some interesting results.
1: Well, there's kind of a couple of cases that are, you know, that stick out, you know, one being the true case of the exorcist. Okay. And and so I was lucky enough to do and was invited by a, a good friend and and really cool guy, Chip Coffey, um, who's uh, a medium and a psychic and in... Destination America or the Discovery Channel did exorcism live, oh, yeah. and, and it was a huge honor, you know, for me to to go on it because mm-hmm. they invited us to have a seance in the house in St. Louis where the real story that inspired the, the Exorcist occurred. It occurred in two places, one Cottage City, Maryland, that's where the boy who was supposedly uh, possessed started, and then they they sent him off to his family in St. Louis where many of the exorcisms were held. So, pretty cool. In the original story, um, it's been said that uh, his aunt Tilly was into spiritualism, used a Ouija board with him. Later on, when she died, that's when all of this stuff started happening. He became possessed, and so um, the reason the Ouija board is hooked to that story is at all is because of that's what's been told. You know, is there any proof that's really what happened? No. Does it matter? No, because that's what everyone believes. But it was really cool because for the show, we got to play the Ouija board in the house where all of this exorcism happened. So uh-huh. that was a pretty cool case and very much affected what people believe of the Ouija board. Right. You know, like all, all it takes is one possession and suddenly, you know, anyone can be possessed. Um there, there's been many other cases where um Herbert Heard and his wife um Dorothy and they, there's an this is a story where um this woman uh she was using the Ouija board, she's in her seventies, her husband's in the seventies. Um the Ouija board is telling her that her husband's cheating on her and that he has buried money someplace. He's hidden money from her. Mm-hmm. She believes it. Now, you know, again, they're in their seventies. We're talking about the, you know, 1930s here. There's no Viagra. There's mm-hmm. no, um, there's no things that are causing a 70 year old to be having affairs on someone. And it's ridiculous, but she believes it. And, um, she basically takes a gun. She cracks her husband over the head. She ties him up wow. and she takes a hot poker and burns him and she Jeez. whips him and she just demands that he tell her who he's sleeping with and where the money is. And this goes on for a few nights. And, um, you know, finally he lies. He just tells her somebody and, you know, he gets out and he knows that when she realizes it's not true, that she's going to do it again. Hmm. And so, um, she, she tries to, you know, get him again and he takes the gun, he shoots and kills her and he's arrested running down the road in his underwear because he's escaped her, you know, mm-hmm. and um, at first he was charged with murder. But once they found out the whole story, you know, they were able to prove that he was really just defending himself. And um, the daughter-in-law who had been an adopted daughter by his um, wife, she was kind of in on it. And, and so it kind of looked like they were trying to get money and stuff out of him. But again, they blame the Ouija board for this. Like, and, and mm-hmm. the woman who was shot and killed Truly believe the Ouija board was telling the truth. Um, you know, another one is the, the the Turley case, which is a really interesting one because this woman is having an affair on her husband, and she doesn't want to get a divorce because in a divorce you have to give up half your stuff, and the mother doesn't want to. So instead of getting a divorce like a normal person would, she decides my husband needs to die, but I don't want to kill him because I don't want to do that. So she gets a Ouija board out, and she plays with her daughter. And she, through the Ouija board, tells the daughter that she needs to kill her father. And, of course, the daughter, who's mm-hmm. playing with the mother, oh, the Ouija board's telling you to do this. The mother's like, well, you need to do it. The Ouija board's telling you to. She picks up a rifle. She shoots her father. Her mm-hmm. father lives for a few days in the hospital and ends up dying. And, um, you know, the mother goes to trial. She eventually gets out because it's really hard to prove that this is what was going on. But the daughter was held until she turned 18 and then she was released. And so there are many of these cases because people blame the Ouija board or use the Ouija board to do really bad things. And and the lesson of the story is it's the same thing. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. Someone has to pull the trigger. And the moral of the story is, is Ouija boards are not inherently bad or inherently good. They're just whatever you do with them. So if you want to do something bad, if you want to do something evil or, you know, terrible to someone, then the Ouija board will be bad. If you're, tr- if you're just trying to talk to, you know, someone that you love that passed on or you're just having fun and trying to see who else is out there or get the lottery numbers, that's going to be your experience. But, you know, I, I have yet to meet. Something terrible on the other side. I know a lot of living terrible people, <laughs> and 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 the living people scare me far more than dead people.
2: <laughs> true, very true. I wanted to ask you really quick earlier in in our uh, in our conversation, you mentioned that Elijah Bond was a, a mason. Does masonry have uh, you know any connections with the with the Ouija board, to your knowledge?
1: Well, I think it, where it has connections are, um, how the people met, you know, they were like gentlemen's clubs, right? Like that's yeah. where people went to, you know, talk and, and do business together. And so quite a few number of people who were involved with the Ouija board were masons. And, and, and that sounds great on the surface. Like, okay, the secret order of people mm-hmm. who, you know, have all this really neat symbology and all these great imagery had something to do with it. Well, the truth is most of them were just talking business. And that's right. that's kind of what the Masons were really about. It was it was a place where men went to, you know, right. smoke cigars and do all the things their wives didn't want them doing at home. And they would talk business. And so Elijah Bond, Charles Kennard, Washington Bowie, William Maupin, Harry Wells Rusk, all many of the people who were involved in the inception of the board were Masons. And uh, E C Resch who claimed to invent the board that would become Ouija as well. He was an odd fellow. So um, that sounds really cool. But the truth is almost every guy was part of one of these societies because that's just what you did back then. Right.
2: I um, I apologize. I don't know if you had more in that top five list. I kind of interrupted you there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, there's, there's lots of other. St- I mean, there are stories today where people say, um, you know, someone tried to kill someone because the Ouija board told them to. Right off the bat, you know, within a couple of years of the Ouija board um being introduced, women were going, women were tending to use the Ouija board more than men because they were asking questions about their husbands, uh, their loved ones. And so they, they were saying that, you know, the Ouija board was causing women to go insane because the Ouija board was telling women, does so-and-so love me? And it would say, no, he's cheating on you. He's doing these things. They're just so many cases of this. And again, why would someone believe a game over people that were telling them? Mm-hmm. Believe. It's an incredibly powerful thing. True.
0: Um, much. I'm really intrigued just to know what's your personal freakiest encounter with this board or whether personal or, you know, kind of secondary. Do you have any genuinely scary stories to tell?
1: I, you know, I wish I did. It's, it's just not been like that for me at all. You know, this house is full of Ouija boards. It, it looks like a museum. There's Ouija art all over the walls. Um, I tell people all the time, you know, the scariest things in my house are the people who live in it, not the yeah, stuff that's in it. So, um, and any, anyone who knows me and my husband know that that's true. And, you know, I just haven't had a bad, I've not had a bad experience with it. I've heard lots of bad stories and I'm not saying those aren't true. It's just, I haven't had it and and I'm very open to it. I'm a skeptic. I want to believe all of this is true. I want to believe that there are other things you can talk to. And even though I've had experiences that make you question it, you know, within about five or 10 minutes after it happens, you're like, well, and you find a rational thing. So I haven't had that. I've had experiences enough to make me continue to play with it and research and wonder if there's anything there and explore mm-hmm. it. But I haven't had an experience that's made me go, oh hell no. Or, you know, oh this is definitely there's definitely something more than just your mind.
0: And I'm pretty sure you've heard of this and it's it's very common on um YouTube and Google. There's a popular experiment that a group of guys, they essentially did the Gansfeld experiment during a, a Ouija board, you know, um, session. So they they got one of their friends, you know, they, they tied up their ears, um, their face, essentially blocked out lights and um, uh, blocked out any sort of smell sensors using a gas mask. So they try uh-huh. to block out all of their senses and anything, you know, potentially they could feel or hear. And they did this Ouija board experiment. I don't know if you've heard of it, um, but what, what do you think about experiments where they literally try to block out every single external um, influence?
1: <laughs> I think it breaks the Ouija board
2: okay. because mm-hmm.
1: the Ouija board, you have to see, you have to you can't be blind and use the Ouija board. It doesn't work. It, mm-hmm. it, it, you have to use your eyes. You have to use your hands. And so people who say, well, we'll blindfold them and then we'll turn the Ouija board upside down. And if it doesn't work, then, you know, we know that it's just their subconscious. Well, that's not true. That's like saying, um, I'm going to take the keys out of a car. And if it doesn't, if you can't make it run, then the car doesn't work. No, I mean, you just fundamentally took took away one of the things you need to make it work. Mm -hmm. So when you block out people's senses, you know, hearing the planchette move, seeing the planchette move, feeling the planchette move, when you take away those things, you've now changed the function of the board. You you broke it. It's like taking the wheels off a car and being like, hey, the car doesn't work. Yeah, well, it doesn't work because you took the wheels off, you know, Mm -hmm. like the car would still work if you let it be the car. And the Ouija board really doesn't need those things to work.
0: I agree with you. The whole point is that you need some sort of vague human input and influence and, you know, sensory intake, essentially.
2: Mm-hmm. Merch, we're almost out of time, but I wanted to uh, to end with one last question. Um, you know, in your experience, you haven't experienced anything bad. Can you give us a, a, an example of the Ouija board actually having a, a positive experience, like somebody having a positive experience using the, yeah. the Ouija board?
1: I, you know, I can use myself as an example. I've been on sets and met some really big actors who've been a lot of fun. I, I've gotten a chance to work and collaborate with lots of really interesting people and learn from them and have mentors and do things. The Ouija board to me, and, and so like in the William Fold family, William Fold is the man who, who kind of took over making the Ouija board. He was part of the original business and he, he and his family made the Ouija board uh, up until 1966 when It sold to Parker Brothers, and there was a big feud in the family that started in 1901 over the Ouija board, and through my research, both sides of the family contacted me, and as we were talking, and they wanted to talk themselves, they buried the hatchet 96 years later, and so the Ouija board tore this family apart, and then it put them back together, and so, you know, the Ouija board has, in my experience, all the families I've contacted, it's only always been a really great thing. I've made some amazing friends and, you know, I get to do radio shows like yours. So, I mean, to me, it's, it's only been a good thing.
2: Well, it sounds like it has led you to, to have a, a very exciting life. And I guess as long as people take some of the, the great advice you have given us throughout this interview, uh, Merch, why don't yeah. you tell people where they can keep up with you and the work that you do? And, uh, you mentioned, uh, OuijaCon. Are you having another one this right. year?
1: Not this year, but potentially next year. Um, this year, you know, Ouija 2 comes out in uh, the end of October. So everyone should watch that. Hopefully I'll be doing some, um, promotional stuff for, uh, the sequel. I, I consulted on the first one. I did not on the, the second one, but uh, I'm sure I'll still be doing some fun stuff for it. Uh, you know, I'll be in. October as well. Hopefully, um, I'd had back surgery a year ago and it was a, a bit of a tough recovery, oh, wow. but hopefully, you know, yes. that's all behind me now. And oh, in, in October, I'll be doing a, uh, pair con in the UK, which is oh, pretty wow. cool. So the oh, wiki board, it great. took me to Australia. Um, a good friend of mine, Calvin Von Crush is going there, uh, tomorrow actually to that, that con and he's going to represent the uh, talking board historical society, but, Um, yeah, the Ouija board takes me all over and, and that's great. But for people who are looking and want to follow me on Facebook, if you look up Robert Merch, I have a public page where all things Ouija boards. Um, If you look on Twitter, I'm at talking boards, Instagram at talking boards. um, Pretty much any, any social media at talking boards is where you'll find me and my website, robertmerch.com. And uh, again, Check out the Talking Board Historical Society, an amazing group of people doing all kinds of interesting stuff. And that's on Facebook as well as Twitter and um, you know Instagram now.
2: Very nice. And Merch, one last question before I let you go. You have numerous boards in, in your collection. Which one is your favorite one and mm-hmm. why? <laughs>
1: My favorite board is always the next one I get. To be honest with you, <laughs> um, I no, no, I, I, I love them all. They're like children. They're they're all different, but I love them equally. I, I, except there, I do tend to like the, the earliest ones I have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have one that we believe is is pre Ouija, um, and. I really like those, and and many of the families and friends have pitched in to get me some of my rarest boards. And oh, wow. so, those all, when I look at the boards, they all have a story behind them. I know where I got every single one of them and who they came from. And so, wow. when I look at the Ouija boards, they really represent a lot of my friends and and uh, close family.
2: That's
0: Thank really you for that amazing. Answer. Yeah, no, and, no that's and, great. And I I think the answer is no, but I assume <laughs> you've never had anything freaky happen in your house.
1: And not that was related to the Ouija boards. I have, again, you know, the, the people who live here, uh, yeah. my myself and my husband can be pretty freaky. So um, I think the only freaky things that happen here are, are because of us, not because of um, the Ouija boards. I, no, I really haven't. I wish I did. I, I know it would be a great story. Everyone wants me to, to have these experiences, especially when you see how many Ouija boards are here. Nice. But uh, it's just, it's never happened. The doorway to hell has never opened up. If it did, or if it does, I promise I will sell tickets and make sure you guys know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Merch,
0: we'll be there.
2: <laughs> sorry, I know, I know, I said I was going to let you go, but very, very last question. I promise, and then I'll let you go for reals. But it, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> did you help make an uh, an updated version of the Ouija board? Uh, is that correct?
1: We did do a talking board. We we made a, a spirit board from uh, Salem, Massachusetts, when we lived there, and uh-huh. it, it basically was. Um, you know, uh, we really utilized the imagery from Salem graveyards and stuff. So yeah, we did that from until 2005. And, uh, and now they go for a lot of money on eBay. So that really? makes me laugh. <laughs> Very cool.
2: <laughs> well, if any, if anyone listening wants to check out that board, what is that board called? The, the one that you oh, work
1: on? Sure. That's called Cryptique. Cryptique. So it's, it's like a you know crypt, like C R Y P T. Mm-hmm. IQUE.
2: All right. Boutique in the French map. So, folks, if if you want to get a very unique board, uh, yeah, hit up eBay and look for that. Uh, I saw a picture actually of it, and, and it looks pretty cool. It looks quite. Uh, uh a, a bit more foreboding than the uh, yeah. than the standard Ouija yeah, board, definitely. but it's still cool. I like all that stuff. Yeah. I, I think it looks really nice. Merch, thank you so much for being with us tonight. I really, really appreciate it. It has been a lot of fun and it's been very, very educational. We sincerely thank you for taking thank the time so much to be with us tonight and talk about all wow. of this talking board related stuff.
0: Yeah, no, we'd love to talk (laughs) to you again. (laughs) No pun intended.
1: (laughs) (laughs) With or without a Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome.
2: No, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your night. Me too. Have a great time, you guys. That was uh, Robert Merch, an expert and historian, as you could tell, of all things Talking Boards. Definitely check out his Facebook, his Twitter, and uh, keep up with him. You know, he's doing some really interesting stuff. Um, We're talking about Adam and, uh, she wants revenge. And, you know, they're, they're, they're playing a few tours or so we're going to go out with a she wants revenge track. This is one of my favorite tracks. I think, uh, at, at least when I got this track, I believe it, it couldn't be found on an album. It was like a, a B side or something. So enjoy this one. This is some girls by she wants revenge. Take care. Be safe. God bless. Don't do anything too crazy. We we'll want see you back next week. Remember we're on now an hour earlier, 8 PM Pacific daylight savings time. Is that what they call it? I just call it Pacific Times, <laughs> 8 p.m. Pacific Time. So, uh, yeah, make note of that. We want to see you next week. Take care, guys. Enjoy this one. Here we go.
1: Till next you week. Bye bye. Good night. West of the Rockies with Frank the Engineer on the Independent FM, Los Angeles.